The Real Chemistry Podcast connects the dots between our guests and the innovative work they do to show up and shape the future of healthcare. Why? So you, the listener, are encouraged to join us on our relentless pursuit to make the world a healthier place for all. Some may call it idealism. We call it real chemistry. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of Real Chemistry and the host of the Real Chemistry Podcast. And today I have a special guest. Her name is Sung Pabletti. She is the CEO of Stand Up to Cancer. You're going to find out more about that organization. You probably have seen uh, one of the televised shows that they do, the fundraisers. Uh, we'll talk more about that. She's a registered nurse. She is a PhD. She's an amazing human being. And during the show today, we'll talk a little bit about how she got involved in healthcare, why she decided to become a registered nurse, not usually something you hear in conjunction with uh, CEO, what the organization does and how they do it differently, where they focus their energies. And then we'll wrap up by talking about what's got her excited about future research efforts in cancer. So Listen up and tune in and enjoy a half hour of some amazing content. Well, welcome everyone. And I am excited to be talking to a person that is a true joy to speak with, Sung Publetti. Um, Sung, this is going to be fun because I can see with the rainbow behind you and your magic hands uh, and your stand up to cancer shirt that like this is going to be good. And we had our pre conversation, which I really enjoyed. So welcome, first of all. Thank you for having me, Aaron. This is really special for me to be here and to talk about myself and about the work at Stand Up to Cancer. Well, I'm excited to have you. And I think we talked about this in our prep that uh, we had another member of stand up to cancer, a uh, Ms. Katie Couric, who was lovely. I got to interview her live. I wish I was able to do this with you live. We'll get there at some point in time. Um, but I do want to jump in and I want to talk a little about you. And then we will certainly talk about the organization. This is something that I like to find out for anyone that got involved in healthcare. I feel like it's a little less rare these days because more and more people have realized the power of healthcare and the pandemic has certainly really forced our hand in that regard. But you did spend a, um, your career in healthcare. You've held senior roles at places like the American Association for Cancer Research, Oxford Health Plans Foundation, among others. What was the thing that inspired you to get involved in healthcare uh, early? Indeed, it was really early when I started um, my career with a very specific interest in nursing. And that began when I was around 10 years old and my aunt was diagnosed with breast cancer. I visit her in the hospital every day during her treatment. And I was in awe of the incredible healthcare providers delivering care with such compassion. Witnessing that made me want to be a part of the field. I wanted to be in service of others. Immediately after completing my bachelor's and my master's degree, I was invited to join the teaching faculty at Rutgers University College of Nursing, which was a huge honor and a really scary uh, position to fill at, at a, such an early age. But that was a springboard for me in so many ways because it gave me opportunities to work in a world that prioritized collaboration and innovation. So in the early days of my career, I lost so many people I love and admired to cancer, including one of my professors. I was shocked to learn the statistics and eventually, I got to the point where I wanted to do something to stem the tide of cancer instead of watching it from the sidelines. 
Think about the statistics. More than 1.8 million people in the United States are anticipated to be diagnosed with cancer just this year alone. That means one out of two men, one out of three women. That's why we absolutely must make cancer a top priority in this country. And looking back, I say that my professional paths as a nurse and educator, researcher, and now an advocate and CEO were ones that my mentors and the nurses I saw in the hospital wards helped me pursue, both because it was modeled for me in general and by their specific examples. Well, thank you for sharing that. And that is a staggering number. That does get into my next question, and you partly answered this, but for someone that's a CEO of an organization like you are, not unusual to see doctor. And in fact, I've probably had 20 or 30 different doctors on this podcast. Um, you mentioned the nurse piece, right? You are a registered nurse, although you do have a doctorate. You have your PhD, so you have a little bit of both. It's a little bit unusual. Um, what was it that made you choose that path versus, say, pursuing you know something that was more like a medical doctor career? Um, and I, again, I know you touched on some of it with the collaboration piece, but it's such a noble field, a noble profession that it really stood out to me when I first met you. And I remember Jim Weiss, our CEO, asked you about that, right? And commended you on that. So tell us a little bit more about what, uh, what headed you down that path. Well, I definitely knew early on that I wanted to pursue a profession where I had the ability to make an impact. And nurses, if you think about what we do, we're all about health promotion, Right. And health and disease are two sides of the coin. I think we spend an enormous amount of time and effort trying to treat patients when they're at stage four or stage three, when we could really focus our efforts on preventing disease and keeping individuals happier and healthier. And as I mentioned earlier, witnessing the compassion and caring professionalism displayed by the nurses who cared for my aunt was truly inspiring. And their dedication to serve as strong advocates for my aunt and the other cancer patients left really a positive and indelible impact on me. As nurses, we're the closest to patients. We help people deal with illness, live life, face death with dignity, we listen, we advise, we advocate, we collaborate, we champion. And as nurses, most importantly, we lead. And as CEO of Stand to Cancer, I still look back to the discipline of nursing in my day-to-day. The nursing profession shows in every aspect of my work, from collaborating with teams of scientists and physicians who are working on our research projects, to fostering relationships with individuals, philanthropists and companies and celebrities who also donate time, money to fund research that can really help save lives. I love that answer on so many levels. And I don't know if you ever watched the show Nurse Jackie and not that we have to let those things guide us, but it really gave me a deeper insight. I think there was a lot of truth to the role that nurses play and really how much they make the, they're the engine of a hospital or any kind of, you know, care facility provider. And I think a lot of people, unless you've gone through, you know, that experience don't necessarily see that. And uh, it is, my wife and I were joking about this the other night because she was saying that, um, you know, if you look at, do you remember the doctor's name that delivered your baby? If you have children, 
yes or no, probably not, but you always remember the name of the nurses that were there with you, right? Because they're exactly what you said. They're there to comfort you, to sort of bridge the gap. So I love that you chose that path. And the more I get to know you, the less surprising it is that you have that as a, a feather in your cap. I do want to move into Stand Up to Cancer. So you joined in 2011, uh, which was only about three years, I believe, after it was founded. There are a lot of nonprofit, you know, cancer-focused organizations. Let's talk a little bit about how Stand Up to Cancer is different than these. Obviously, you have the celebrity angle, but yours is a very unique flavor of this type of work. And so I'd love to hear more about that. Stand Up to Cancer has changed the culture of cancer research by accelerating groundbreaking research that can get new therapies to patients quickly and save lives now. This unique research model brings together the best minds in cancer research to collaborate, cooperate, and communicate in real time and share data, which in turn helps accelerate the pace of cancer research. Our unique research model supports and funds multidisciplinary, multi-institutional projects for more than 2,000 scientists across 210 institutions. And it's the focus of team science that truly breaks down silos and spurs new discoveries that set Stand to Cancer apart. It's also a connection with the entertainment industry which provides us with a constellation of donated assets that help us continue to make cancer research a first tier issue in this country. I think that's a huge responsibility we have at Stand Up to Cancer to ensure that cancer research continues to be prioritized and well funded so that we don't have to see more people die from this terrible disease. Well, it's such a smart answer. It's, it's you know, the data piece is so critical and the sharing and the collaboration. And we know, and, and this is one of the things that the whole vaccine development for COVID showed us, is when people get together and collaborate versus compete, that amazing things can happen because you have all of the best minds and all of the best resources working in unison versus against one another. So I that's such a, a smart approach to things. So thank you for sharing that. I want to drill down on it a little bit. Um, last month, you hosted your seventh, um, I, actually, it was, I guess, two months ago now, because it was back in uh, August, your seventh bian uh, biennial roadblock televised fundraising special. By the way, I love the fact that you did that and didn't call it a telethon. I'm guessing that was very intentional. <laughs> the thing that's striking to me is being part of the Entertainment Industry Foundation obviously doesn't hurt, right? You have a, a good... Um, feeder for talent, but the level of involvement that you get, I mean, when you have Reese Witherspoon bringing your husband and Ken Jong bringing his wife into the mix, along with the Bradley Coopers and all these other amazing celebrities, that says something like you can tell that they really deeply care about that more so than, than other, you know, I think foundations do. What would you attribute that to? Collaboration, cooperation, communication. When the co-founders, nine co-founders of Stand Up to Cancer got together, initially they were all thinking about doing something else to raise awareness for cancer research. So that first collaboration was these nine incredible women from the media and entertainment industries. And then can you imagine these nine women walking into network executives' offices? And then we got CBS, ABC and NBC. That was the second 
collaboration, you know, uh, they're fiercely competitive, right? Networks, but they all came together for this cause. And you see the celebrities, you see the talent agents, PR agents, you see our scientists collaborating. And all of this, you know, it is a community that is about supporting our cancer researchers for benefit of patients. Because if you think about it, all of us, all of us are touched by cancer in some way, some shape, some form. Yeah, sadly, we are. I've had way too much of it in, in my life, and I know I'm sure a lot of our listeners have as well. I am blown away, by the way, and you touched on this earlier, but you you are close to raising $750 million, I think, you know, so coming in on that billion-dollar mark. Is this as amazing to you as it is to me? I mean, I know when you get the networks involved and you get this talent involved, but people are getting stretched in so many different places, and there are so many people that need money, and you're such a magnet for this. And I, I love that it's, you know, focused on the research, right? And getting FDA therapies and drugs approved, but it still seems like that's a staggering amount of money to, to raise for something. Now, we're really thankful for the financial support that we've received over the last decade from our incredibly generous donors, as well as the public in support of our mission. And even during these unprecedented times, our donors continue to share the same goal of accelerating cancer research, increasing cancer screenings, and ensuring equity in cancer treatments. Even with the COVID pandemic, cancer doesn't stop. And cancer doesn't care who you are, how famous you are, how much money you have, and what initials you have behind your name, right? So we've had incredible success in breaking down barriers and accelerating the pace of cancer research and with continued support, we want to double down on these efforts. We are so close. Among our many successes, as you mentioned, uh, Stanford Cancer Funded Research has contributed to nine FDA approvals for new cancer therapies for breast, colorectal, pancreatic, prostate, ovarian cancers, as well as difficult to treat leukemias in children. But I really truly hope that we will exponentially increase the funds raised over the next decade so that we can beat cancer as we know it. You know, in the last 10 years, we have a new pillar in cancer treatment called immunotherapies. But we know it's not gonna be just immunotherapy, it's gonna be combination therapies. We need to propel ourselves in cancer interception, convergence, and all of this will take money, the best and brightest minds continuing to focus and transforming what we know about cancer research. Yeah. Amen to that. And I, you know, even you didn't mention it, but the MRNA platform, right. That we use for the vaccine delivery sounds like that's got promising outlooks as well. So I, I can't wait till we see an end of this and thank you for, you know, doing all that you do. I do want to, um, you mentioned something that was a good segue into our next um, question. When you and I talked a few weeks back, we talked about Stand Up to Cancer's commitment to health equity, which is such an important thing right now, something we care deeply about. And I know that the org the foundation recently announced the Colorectal Cancer Health Equity Dream Team. Tell us a little bit more about this, because this is such a, a great partnership and such a great way to explore something that we know is impacting a lot of people, and a lot of people don't get the screenings for it that they really need to or can't. 
You know, if there's one message the listeners can take from this is that especially a disease like colorectal cancer, it is beatable in nine out of 10 cases when it's caught early. And that's, you know, a unbelievable statistics. When you diagnose colorectal cancer late at stages three or four, you have a one in 10 chance of success, successful recovery into survivorship. And as we gain more understanding of the role of biology, make advances in precision medicine and new technologies, we must also make significant improvements in diverse patient participation in clinical trials so that the treatments we're developing work for everyone. And that's why Stand Up to Cancer began formalizing its health equity initiative back in 2017, guided by our incredible health equity committee. Um, we just announced a new team on our telecast the colorectal cancer health equity dream team. And this team is taking an innovative and comprehensive approach that will bring together leading researchers and clinicians to accomplish several goals, including improving colorectal cancer screening in medically underserved communities. You know, one of the challenges that we had was, especially in these zones where we're really going to be marketing and communicating and bringing awareness about colorectal cancer screening. We didn't want to do this with the context that some of these individuals may not have the resources to get screened. So our team's efforts will extend across the United States, establish three stand-up to cancer zones in greater Boston, Los Angeles, and Great Plains tribal communities in South Dakota. These zones, which will ideally operate long after the grant period is over, include diverse and distinct communities that are medically underserved and have particularly low screening rates for colorectal cancer. And with the new guidelines that decrease the age from 50 to 45 years of age or older, we wanna make certain that the underserved population also has the resources to not only become more aware of these screening guidelines and why they should get tested, but an opportunity for them to actually get screened. And colon cancer, colorectal cancer is the second most common cause of cancer related death in America for men and women combined, but it doesn't have to be. And we're really excited to see what this team accomplishes along with the other teams we're funding that also have a focus on health equity. Well, it's an amazing initiative and um, really it's a movement that you're funding, right? Because it's not just a one year, one time thing. And I love the breadth of inclusivity that you're thinking about. I think a lot of uh, Native American, indigenous people, you know, do get left behind. So I love that you've cast that net wider than some others might. I do want to shift gears back to you a little bit, because I know we talked about, you know, you like talking about the org, maybe sometimes a little less about <laughs> you, but I would love to find out what does a day in the life of Sung Pabletti look like? You know, it, it, it is literally where high science and high entertainment meet. A day could be some talking with our Nobel laureates. It could be some talking to Academy Award winners. But my everyday is 
being part of the leadership team at Stand Up to Cancer and working to achieve our mission to make every cancer patient a long-term survivor. Specifically, I oversee our scientific outcomes. That means strategic planning and execution of science, research, advocacy, development, and fundraising. And in close collaboration with our scientific advisory committee, I make certain that we always keep an eye towards funding cutting edge research. And I work closely with, believe it or not, more than 40 organizations that fund research with us at Stand Up to Cancer. And having that interaction with our collaborators and donors is really important. It's an excellent consortium of leaders who are all working collectively to transform a cancer research paradigm. And I also advocate for cancer patients and survivors, which is why I have such a big focus on making cancer research a top tier priority in this country. In a nutshell, my days are focused on ensuring Stand Up to Cancer continues to fund its cutting edge cancer research now and well into the future. And I really, really would be remiss if I didn't go back to our last conversation, Aaron, the magnitude of what we're doing these three colorectal cancer screening zones, imagine, imagine if we had more donors come in, if we had more individuals, philanthropists step up, we wouldn't have three zones. We would have one zone called the United States of America where everyone had the ability to get screened no matter what their socioeconomic status is. Well, uh, you know, let's keep our fingers crossed for that because I know that that is such a critically important piece. And while we're not there yet, a lot of people are waking up to the importance of health equity, right? That everyone needs access and needs to be able to get these treatments. And I feel like the pandemic helped us inch our way there a little bit, but we have a long way to go. So um, again, so happy that we have someone like yourself and the organization that's helping us focus I would like to ask, and you mentioned a few of these earlier, like immunotherapy, but um, what has you most excited right now in the field of cancer research? I, I know, again, we've touched on a bunch of them, but we'd love to get maybe one that you haven't mentioned yet. Sure. I'm very excited about cancer interception, which is being able to identify and treat cancers before they take hold. We all know that cancer develops over many years as genomic alterations accumulate and allow abnormal cells to become more adaptable. Whereas a newly formed cancer may have only few changes, lethal malignancies may have developed thousands of changes enabling these cells to invade the immune system, invade surrounding tissues, and also to spread to distant sites. These complex tumors become more difficult to treat. So focusing on early detection and early treatment allows doctors to intercept the development of metastatic cancer. Today, cancer interception research is in the clinic and Stand Up to Cancer is one of the leading funders with new ideas being tested that could fundamentally change the treatment of cancer and reshape the cancer experience for patients, their families, and their medical enterprise. Imagine we would have more survivors because we can detect cancers at its earliest when it's more treatable. That's a paradigm shift, Aaron. Yeah, I, I mean, that's such a critical area of focus, this whole moving from sickness to wellness model, right? Because I think that falls into there. 
And it it seems like such a no-brainer. Like, why didn't we ever think that maybe if we got, you know, screened it earlier, detected it earlier than but I guess a lot of it is, you know, we were so focused on fighting the disease, right? And then working backward from there. So I love that. I mean, that's such a, a smart place to be. And I love the fact that you're involved in that because, again, for those of us that have lost way too many people in our lives to cancer, that, you know, wouldn't it be great? And won't it be great when all of us can, you know, catch those things ahead of time? So uh, bless you and, and bless Stand Up to Cancer for doing that work. I do want to shift gears a little bit to not a lighter topic, but maybe a little bit lighter. Um, I ask all of my guests these questions and I just love to sort of get how they think about it. The first of these is if you had one wish, what would it be? That's easy. Standard to cancer is so successful. We put ourselves out of business and cancer is no more. I love it. That was like the most succinct right on, you know, right on cue for your business. And so uh, that's the desire we all have, right? So uh, that's a, that's a perfect one. The last one, and I always love to hear how people answer this, says a lot about who they are. And, you know, again, for anyone that is listening to this, not seeing it, I'm seeing a video of Song with a rainbow behind her uh, with her stand up to cancer shirt. So it's such a, a fun and, and brilliant uh, background. So imagine you're on the proverbial deserted island. Uh, you can only take one album with you. Which album would you pick and why? Okay, this is going to be a little bit of a... Um different answer um i know mirabai saw it and said what are you talking about <laughs> i would expect nothing less from you song so all right so if i were stranded on a desert island i would take rufus wainwright's 2020 album unfollow the rules because in a deserted island there will be no rules right and his songs on this album have the perfect titles Trouble in Paradise, Alone Time, Damsel in Distress, to name a few. And I know Rufus personally. He is a celebrity ambassador for Stand Up to Cancer. And he has a way of looking at life with such a lovely, heartfelt, and honest perspective and with a wry sense of humor. And it's so reflective of his own personality and it's the ingredients that I will need to live my best island life. Well, that's the perfect answer. And I would, like I said, not expect anything less from you. And I can guarantee you out of the hundreds of episodes we've done, no one has ever said Rufus Wainwright, who's an amazing performer. So um, good for selecting that. With that, we'll wrap up. So this is Aaron Strout. I am the CMO of Real Chemistry and the host of the Real Chemistry podcast. And I've had the lovely pleasure of talking with Sung Pobletti, who is the CEO of Stand Up to Cancer. She's also a registered nurse. She is a PhD and an all around lovely human being. So thank you so much for joining us, Sung. Thank you for having me. Want more episodes of the Real Chemistry Podcast? We post a new episode every Thursday. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Stitcher app, or iHeartRadio via the Health Podcast Network. Go to realchemistry.com for more info.